Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'd be remiss if I didn't show you something that came my way uh, from uh, Suzanne and Rob Haas. Uh, had sent me this uh, this mo- really early this morning, and I said, "How cool would it be for people to see this?" Uh, Nick Foles. How many of you know that name? He's even if you hate football, okay, if you despise football, today when you watch this quarterback that is going up against the Patriots, first of all, you're not a Christian if you don't root for the Eagles to win. Okay, <laughs> you, we need the Patriots to lose. So I want to just show you, we're only going to play, Mary, we're only going to play about a minute of this clip, but I want to give you some insight into this guy that you're going to be watching today. So if you could play that, please. Nick Foles, I'm a professional football player. Two verses that are just really impactful in my life are Philippians 4.13 and 2 Corinthians 12.9. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, I love reading the English Standard Version. This verse is a very popular verse. I'm sure most of y'all have read it. And, you know, it's impacted y'all's life one way or the other. Tissue? Uh, to me, um, I got to do this. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. And just understand yeah. that what Thanks. Paul's saying, let's go back to the two verses previous. So I'm going to verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being <laughs> I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through Him who's in me. See, so many times this verse is sort of taken out. All right, Mayor, you could stop it there now. He goes on, he gets, a little, he gets pretty technical, but you just got a little feel, all right? First, this isn't like a... You can shut it off, Mayor. This is not a... This is not a guy that he says in the ESV version, English standard. Somebody just, you know, you hear somebody and they give a verse or they say something. This is somebody that really studies the Bible. His buddy who got hurt, uh, by the way, too, I should tell you this. He wants to be a pastor when he's done playing football. So the guy you're going to watch, that's pretty neat. I mean, again, even if you don't like football, but these Eagles, some people have said they're a team of destiny. The starting quarterback who got hurt about a month or two ago during the season, he tore his ACL. He was like baptizing guys. He's a strong Christian, baptizing guys and, you know, in a pool during the season. I mean, these guys have intense Bible studies. These are real Christians. So I wanted to play this for you young people. When you see these guys on TV today, to see and understand that there is something that is bigger. There is something that is more important to some of these guys than a pigskin and a football. And you're talking, listen, this is coming from a, a guy that played football his whole life and loves it. But there is something that's more important, and that's their relationship with one Jesus Christ. Don't you forget that when you watch the game today. All right, now you can be released. Pretty cool, right? I mean, pretty cool. So you're saying that God's an Eagles fan? God is an Eagles fan today. Yes, today. I know theologically I have no ground, no leg to stand on with that statement, but we have to believe that's the case. We're hoping for a blowout. We don't want that close game. We want the blowout. I want Brady to play, you know, as well as he can, but it's just not good enough. Right? He is the greatest of all time. I know some of you love him. What's that? Oh, all right. Yeah, he's amazing. What's going on over there? How about the kids that are going into Sunday school today? They have a, 
So they're in line, right? They're in line with what we're doing. If you haven't been here, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. You see it up there. It's called Forgotten God. Uh, I didn't do it this week, but a lot of people are asking for like some of those quotes that I put up last week. Last week was a lot of fun. If you didn't listen to the message, maybe during the week, go listen to it. It's hard to like, you, you like kind of walked into the movie like with like 15 minutes left, right? When you, if you're just coming in today and you haven't listened to the rest of the series. So anytime you come to the church, whenever we're in a series, if you leave, try to, you know, keep up with whatever we're doing so that you're kept abreast of what's going on. Well, we're in a series here on the Holy Spirit. And this is the third part. Now, the first two parts, two weeks ago, we said the Holy Spirit was a a person, not an it, not some impersonal force in the universe. We said the Holy Spirit is not an app. The Holy Spirit is an operating system, right? And and, and the last thing we said is, this is really important, the Holy Spirit was not weird, is not weird, right? He's wild. And there are a lot of people out there that give the Holy Spirit a bad name. And then last week, what did we say? Does anybody remember what we said last week? Comforter, that was one. He's the convictor, right, two. And, he, and I said the last one, the Holy Spirit is not looking for us to compartmentalize our lives. So we laid a lot of groundwork for that. Well, part three is going to be a little, I don't know, a little more interesting in terms of what we talk about, I don't think I'm going to be entertaining you as much as I have the, the past two weeks. And some of you are upset about that. I want to teach what the, what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit and in terms of baptism. And there's a lot of different terms. There's a lot of things. I have a lot of different people in this room. I have some people on one side of the spectrum. You've been a Christian for a really long time. And you kind of feel like you know everything. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I have people, maybe you're kind of new to this whole Christian thing. And you don't really know much. So that's always a tough endeavor. It's arduous as a, as a preacher to try to hit both worlds. I'm really going to try to do that today. So even if you've walked with the Lord for a really long time, that you get something out of this. And you should get something out of this. Because the Holy Spirit wants to be a present reality in our lives today. Today. And Lord, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just pray. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts. You would open up our minds. And as that song before us, that you would breathe on us. We pray that, Jesus, you would be magnified, you would be glorified, and you would be lifted up in this place. We talked last week about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is always looking to you, Jesus, always pointing to you, that it's all about you, and it's all about who you are. So I ask today, Spirit of the living God, that you would help magnify, and you would help bring out who Jesus Christ is, and the power that we are supposed to live with as Christians today, the power that is part of our inheritance, our inheritance, Lord, may we see that and feel that and experience that today. Amen. There was a hurricane that hit right in South Florida, devastated homes in in South Florida, right? How many people know what I'm talking about, right? Devastated homes in South Florida. Well, there was a woman that her home was badly damaged by the storm. She went through her insurance company. She got, you know, the estimate, everything done. She, you know, procured a contractor. The contractor came in, started the work, start doing the job. Well, guess what? As time went on, the insurance money ran out. And when the insurance money ran out, 
the contractor ran out. He's like, I'm done. There's no more money. I'm out of here. All right. And here is what's wild. This woman in her house that was damaged, not everything was fixed. She had no power in the house. When the contractor left, she had a little burner and a little light. But here is what is so interesting about the story. I kind of tricked you when I talked in the beginning about the hurricane that just hit. This was not the past hurricane. She has just gotten power back. This is not the past hurricane that just hit this year. It was not Hurricane Katrina in 2007. A woman has been living without power for 25 years. It was Hurricane Andrew in 1992. What? The woman was living in the house without power for 25 years. Who the heck does that? That's insane. Crazy. And here is this woman that is living in the house on it. Somebody had it. Somebody tipped off uh, the mayor of where this woman lived and the mayor stepped in. He intervened, got a contract over there. You know how long it took for the contractor to put power on the woman's whole house? Less than an hour. A woman lived without power in her house for 25 years and kind of just settled. You know what the first thing she said was? This, I'm not making this up. This is true. She said the first thing is I need to take a really hot bubble bath because I haven't had one in two and a half decades. How about the neighbors? Didn't you notice it was always dark over there? Didn't you know? How did you miss that? Here is a woman that settled For less than what she should have. Here is a woman that had all this power inside of her house, but it wasn't turned on. She said it was so amazing when the power was turned on. I feel as if that is akin to how a lot of Christians are living their lives. You have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have all of us. And there is power that God wants to unleash in our lives. He wants to turn on the juice and he wants to impart his power into our lives so that we're able to do things that ordinarily we would not be able to do. He wants to do it for service. He wants us to feel his power and his presence and to use that even as we go out into the world to show people, to evangelize that he indeed is real and he is a present reality in our lives, in the universe. He's not some impersonal force. And there really is a God. I wish I had a church on Super Bowl Sunday. 2018, I wish I had a church. And I think if we assess the spiritual, our spiritual state, right? I think a lot of us are living with a ho-hum kind of ordinary Christianity that we're kind of weary. We're coming to church on Sundays and we're doing other activities, but we're so tired and we're so weary because we're lacking something. We're lacking a power in our lives. You know what? Listen, listen, we say this a lot. I hope you believe it when I say it. I don't just want to sit up here as a preacher since I'm your main preacher now. I don't just want to sit up here and go, this in, this means this in Greek. This means this in Hebrew. This is what this means. And that I give you all the correct doctrine that you're supposed to live with. 
Oh, make sure you follow this doctrine and make sure you understand this and make sure you live out of your head. That's not what I'm here for. And that's not what Pastor Linda is here for. And Pastor Joe, we're here that you would experience the real and living God. Do, does that mean, hey, listen, does that mean we don't want right doctrine? Does that mean we don't want right? Listen, I'm not soft on doctrine in this place. I'm not soft on the Bible. I never have been. But there's a problem when I see both sides, when I look at the whole spectrum, that this issue of the Holy Spirit is so divisive. So divisive. Because you have on one side, you have one group that says, we're all about the Word, and you have to teach the Word, the inerrant Word of God, and that's all that's important. And you talk about that, and you teach it, and you go through it, and you exegete the text. And and then the other side is, listen, it's more about experiencing God. It's experience. How come we can't have both? How come we can't have a marriage of the word and the spirit and that comes together? This is what I think about. This is recreationally. This is what I think about. That we would continue to be a church that would see a real marriage, that we put the word of God first and we read it and we actually obey it and we love it and we go deep with it. But also we realize that we apply it to our lives and we can really experience the reality of it as we walk out of this place. It's more than having the right doctrine. It's more than understanding things. I think many of us are experiencing a trickle of the spirit. There's a trickle that's coming down and you're kind of like with your tongue out and you're like trying to catch it. There's more for us. Like a dam that gets opened up and the water gushes in. God wants to pour out again his spirit on us. I'm already going way off. I planned that I was going to do all this differently, but I can't. Listen to me. Here's my main issue today. If you are like, listen, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Here is the issue. Here is the crux of my argument. Here is my thesis statement. Ready? Every single one of us, if you became a Christian and you put your faith in Christ the remission of your sins, and you said, listen, I'm accepting what you did, Jesus Christ, on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Guess what? You indeed have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You with me? But, but, there is a difference between being sealed with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between I got saved in and people go, what did you get? To, I, I became a Christian in 1980. And they go, I got everything. I got it all. I got the Holy Spirit. I got everything. Yeah, you got the Holy Spirit. But imagine in a marriage, right? Just imagine this is a marriage. When did you two get married? 66. Okay, 19. How many years is 50? What are we? 50, 52 years ago. Imagine, right? They get married. Pastor Joe and Linda, they get married 52 years ago. And Pastor Joe says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved you 52 years ago, but he does nothing to fan the flame of the relationship that he has now. That he does nothing. I don't even know what the heck I said. He does, he does nothing to fan that relationship. He doesn't do anything. And he says, oh, it's whatever. I told you I, I loved you 52 years ago. But what about what happens now in the relationship? I don't understand that. I hope I didn't get you in trouble. 
But I don't understand. Listen, I don't understand that. God wants to continue to give us experiences with his spirit on a daily basis to empower us to do things that we ordinarily would not be able to do. Can I get an amen for that? Pastor Linda gave me an Now, here is what you see on both sides. If you don't know words, right? Some of these words I'm going to throw at you. Don't worry. Just try to... I'm really trying to simplify this. All right? And here it is. There are two terms that you hear in the church. The church. I promise, Pastor Linda, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. You have number one. You have that word on the left. Cessationism. Say it. Cessationism. Not to be confused with somebody who would be a secessionist. Secession in the Civil War, when the South tried to secede from the Union, this is different. This means, a cessationist would say, when the apostles died at the end of the first century, all of the gifts that are talked about by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, which I'm going to eventually get into, that all of that stuff, that died out. That, that God used these gifts of, of prophecy and of healing, faith, all these miracles, all these amazing things that were happening, right? Word of knowledge, that he was using it to build up his church. But once all those apostles and disciples, once they, you know, they died, that everything just kind of dissipated. Maybe called cessationists. And there are people that, that believe, I don't know, maybe that's you and you believe that. that whatever I say today, please understand If your views don't align with our views as a church, you're not a second-class citizen. But this is what we believe. But in no way are we trying to condescend, disparage, put down anybody whose views are a little bit different. But I'm just giving you what the Bible says. So you can kind of read the Bible and work it out for yourself. And then the other term, continuationism. It's a term that you hear a lot today in the body of Christ. The problem, again, some of you are going, I don't really care to hear it. Just tell me how this relates to my life. No, you need to know this as a Christian. This is your faith. This is important. Too often we don't. It's just, give me the stories, inspire me. I'm teaching a little bit more and you're going to deal with it. Continuationism, doctrine that all spiritual gifts, including healings, tongues, which I'll get to. Because some of you hear that word and you're like, right away, you're like, what? where is he going right now? Just give me a little bit of time. And miracles are still in operation today, just as they were in the days of the early church. And I already gave you the definition, the doctrine of, of cessationism, that gifts such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, and healing ceased with the apostolic age. So a continuation, it says, these gifts went unabated. Since Pentecost, since the Holy Spirit, we talked about that the last two weeks. We've mentioned that. I got into that. We delved into that in Acts 2. That when the Holy Spirit was poured out, since then, these gifts have been unabated and God has used them in people's lives. And on the other side, right, you have the cessationists who say, no way. But there are, and and we can get really complicated with this. Because there are certain people that they would be called continuationists who believe they believe that the gifts are still active today, but they don't pursue them. Hello, John Piper. Hello, Matt Chandler. I'm throwing names out that some of you may know. You may have heard of some of these people before. So interesting to me that they... People that I love. I mean, if you don't know, I love these people. They're real men of God. And they believe that. And then you have other people like uh, a guy like John MacArthur. You may have heard that name before. And he's totally in the opposite. He said, no, hardcore cessationists, all the gifts, everything. None of that is for us today. None of that. Does everyone get the two sides? Yes, that wasn't loud. Some of you are on your phones. You're bored. 
And in the New Testament, apparently there was some confusion. 2,000 years ago, there was some confusion over this. And the Apostle Paul, look what he says in 12.1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. I'm going to get back to the baptism in the Holy Spirit in a minute. But brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, this is really interesting because many of you probably, if you probably walk with the Lord for a long time, maybe you didn't know this. Did you know that he wrote a letter before he actually wrote 1 Corinthians? He wrote a letter to that church. And if you look, I didn't put the verse up, but if you look in 5, 9, you can see it. And he wrote a letter to them. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit didn't want that included in the New Testament canon. But it's pretty wild when you think about it. He wrote this letter and they had a lot of questions. And this was a crazy church. These weren't Jews. These were Gentiles. And there were a lot of issues. They whacked these people. Crazy. So he's constantly trying to correct them. And in this, he's saying, look, we have to talk about, don't be ignorant. We have to talk about some of these issues that are here. And then he says in verses 7 through 11, these, this is important. And I, I'm not preaching next week, so I'm, I'm cramming in a lot today. Cramming in a lot. If you're wondering, I normally wouldn't put this much information, but I am because I'm not speaking next week. We're on a men's retreat. Okay? There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. That word activities, I could spend so much time in every word I want to, and I underline words, and I'm going, oh, I want to get into that activities. Word in the Greek is where we get our word energy from. That Paul is saying there is real energy that is inserted into the life of the church and believers when these gifts are active in your life. That's what he's saying in the original Greek. But it's the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. One Spirit, notice that. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit owns all of these gifts. Owns all of these gifts. So remember, you have on two sides. You have one side that says these gifts are still active for the church today. And then the other side says, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. No, they're not. What does the Bible really say about these gifts and their operation? Were they just for those followers in the first century? Or are they really for today? I think they're for today, as you probably could tell, listening to me a little bit. Look what Paul says. Look what he says here in Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. This is one of the best passages. This is, I don't just put a post in the ground as a Christian and what I believe. With that. I don't just go, well, I, I want to feel this way. No, no. What does God's word say about this issue? And here it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Now, I underline that. Why did I underline? This is so important to the issue. Again, I'm getting a little technical. In the original Greek, this phrase right there, but be filled with the spirit is something you learn in seminary. It's called the present imperative. What does that mean, Pastor? Tell me. That means it is in an ongoing state. 
that we are, I'm telling you what it says in Greek. This is not my interpretation. This is a literal translation of what the Apostle Paul says. And he's saying in the present imperative, he's saying to us today, City on a Hill Community Church, that in 2018, you are to be filled with the Spirit and it's supposed to be an ongoing experience for you in your life. Not a one-shot deal. It's not you get saved and you're sealed and that's it. And then you have everything. No, I'm telling you what he says. And when we get to heaven, you can tell him that I taught you this. It's what he says. Ongoing. It keeps going. You get baptized as a believer, right? You get baptized. When you become a Christian, you get baptized into the family of Christ because of the, you, you're accepting what Jesus did on Calvary, right? One. No, no, no. Then in step two, we, we're talking about water baptism. Take it easy. We got water baptism. All right. So you have the first when you're baptized, really in a sense, into the family of God. Then you have water baptism where the old man goes down. If you've been baptized, the new man comes up. But I'm talking about a third baptism being baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ. He's the baptizer. The Holy Spirit is not. And why is this the case? Because Jesus, when he came down, the incarnation, and he lived on this earth, and he walked the earth for 33 years, right? He could be in one place at one time. He now sits at the right hand of God, and he's on his throne. And the beautiful thing about the Trinity is, when you think about it, Jesus said, I want to be everywhere. Think about me right now. I'm only in one place. I can only be in one place at one time. I can project my voice and get it out there maybe a little bit more. I can throw my limbs and, and stretch out a little bit, but I can only be in one place at one time. Jesus says, I want to be everywhere. Jesus says, I want to be with my followers. And the way to be with my followers is through the Holy Spirit that he says, I can live in you through the Holy Spirit. The promise that the father gave in Acts one into Acts two and is now for us today. I just gave you a lot of theology really quickly. You don't have to clap. But it's, it's be filled with the Spirit and keep on being filled. To wake people up, in case you a lot of you are, you're awake. I'm just saying that. I brought in some. I brought in some. You got a second? Cool. Okay, I have two cups here. Okay, I have some Alka-Seltzer. Does anybody need some Alka-Seltzer? You're listening to this, you're like, I could use it. You really need some? Okay. Okay. We have an Alka-Seltzer package here. We have an Alka-Seltzer package here. Okay. Here's some Alka-Seltzer. Here's a package, right? I'm going to pour some water in. Okay. Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> Anything going on? You don't, Cliff, you don't see a fizz? No. Anybody see a fizz? You don't see anything, right? Right? But there's Alka-Seltzer in here. There's Alka-Seltzer in here, right? Okay. All right. You're a smart class. Wow, y'all are smart. Now I have another Alka-Seltzer container class in the glass. Okay. Okay. A little different, little different experience. I see some bubbles. I've never tasted Alka-Seltzer before. I've always wanted to taste it. I'm not going to taste it, but I've always wanted to. All right, you see it, that it works, right? See that it works? Okay, this simple illustration. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. I'm trying to say 
Every single Christian gets the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. That's what this first class represents. Everybody has, you can tell I'm a high school teacher too, right? Everybody has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. The problem is, not everybody has unwrapped the gift that God has wanted to give us. That when we take it and we unleash it, the Holy Spirit says, open yourself up to the power that I have. And I don't just want some of you. I want all of you. Every single cell, every single fiber of your being, I want. He wants to invade. He doesn't just want a piece of us. He wants all of us. All of us. That's what we're asking for. That's what I want. You think I'm sitting around trying to come up with these ideas and these illustrations just so you go, oh, that's so cute. I love this little illustration today. No, no, no. I want us to see what is available for us here and now. That's all I'm sitting in the shower of. Lord, invade me. Lord, pour out your spirit again on me. Fill me the speaker. May people here have an encounter with you. They don't just want to know more about you. They want to know you. You. And then you look. Can I just go? Can I go and just teacher mode now? You look at Acts 2. Can I just walk you through? Let's just, uh, just a couple of examples to prove to you what the word says about what we're supposed to have with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts 2. Look at this. This is kind of funny because you know what Paul says? Paul's kind of, I love when Paul's using the example. He says, and this is Paul's example. Don't get mad at me and don't get religious. But he says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. He's saying to you, listen, leads to debauchery, leads to bad things when you're drinking. He's telling people because they know this. They would see this. He's saying, listen, you can't be drunk all the time. You can't be drunk all the time, right? Think about that. You can't be drunk all the time, but he's saying, listen, you can be filled with a spirit and have a power that is real in your life. And the best definition of this, of drunkenness, kind of weird. Look what happens at Pentecost. Look what happens with Peter. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, when the Holy Spirit fell, and remember, what did I say last week? It was like a tornado. When you hear a deafening sound at the, whatever that stadium is called today in Minnesota, I want you to think back and go, that sound is nothing to the sound that the Holy Spirit made when he invaded the upper room 2,000 years ago. Boom. But Peter, standing up at the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, the people that were, that, that were get, being filled with the Holy Spirit there, who are already believers, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. He's like, guys, listen to me, it's not even happy hour yet. There's no way that they're really drunk. They're filled with the Spirit. Filled. Some people didn't understand. Some people didn't like it. And then how about Acts 6.3? Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, the, the apostles, they, they were getting kind of tired. They're doing all these other activities. They want to teach more, right? So they're saying, we need to find some other people. Get us seven men of good reputation. Look at this. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. These were he's, asking, he's looking for believers already. But he's saying, he's differentiating between people that were just believers and people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Why would Luke tell us this? Why would God make it this way? He didn't have to. He's saying this more. You go ahead. Acts 19, 1 and 2. This is much later after Pentecost. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the uh, interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's presupposing. He's, he's, he's saying, listen, there's another encounter that you have to have with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you become a Christ follower. You become sealed and you're part of the body. But there is more. There's more. How about some of the other people on the other side? I had to put these. Uh, I'll give you a couple of quotes. Has anybody ever heard the name Martin Lloyd-Jones? You've heard the name before, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Have you ever heard the name Tim Keller? Yeah, you've heard of Tim Keller. Tim Keller, I learned about Martin Lloyd-Jones through Tim Keller years ago. I didn't, I'm like, who is this English preacher that he keeps talking about? One of the greatest preachers in all of Europe and England in the 20th century. Somebody that was a reformed Calvinist. And you're like, I don't know what those words mean. All right, he's reformed, meaning he, he's a cessationist. He believes that maybe the gifts can operate today, but he doesn't practice them, or he didn't when he was alive. You with me? Somebody who doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, that, that, that he practiced them, doesn't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Can I show you what he said at the end of his career? This is the end of his ministry. I want to talk today, this is he's talking to his church, I want to talk today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may call it what you want, but I want to know, have you experienced the fullness of the Spirit? I told you. There is a difference between getting, being sealed by the Spirit and then being filled with the Spirit. This is somebody saying, I, I know all of you listening to me come as I do from a Reformed background, but it's not good enough. What? It's not good enough. Not James Lecce saying it. Here is one of the greatest preachers in the 20th century. Westminster in London. Westminster Chapel. Um, I know that all of you would want to say to my question about the Holy Spirit, well, we got it all at conversion. There's no need for any more experience. Well, I only have one other question to ask you. If you got it, all at conversion, where in God's name is it? Where is it? Hey, church. Hey, Piper, I love you, but where is the power in your church? Where are people being healed? You believe in the gifts, but I'm not going to go after them. Well, Mr. Piper, well, Mr. Chandler, you're all amazing preachers, and you're, you're a big part of the body of Christ, but how about, I'm just going now. I'm go, I'll go backwards. I'm all over the place. All right, what about this? How come it says, Paul says in 14.1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Desire gifts. You, that's, that Greek word is where we get our word zealous from. Be zealous for the gifts. The apostle Paul says, be zealous. Go after them. Go all out after them. Come on, church. Why isn't that happening? Are we chasing this stuff? And listen, we as a church... Founded, this church founded my parents and other people in this room years ago. And some of this stuff was living and it's active. It's not easy to kind of implement this and we're not always going to get everything right. But listen, I'd rather go into a meeting and experience meeting and experience God and maybe get things wrong once in a while, but be biblical, be biblically accurate, but take some risks and take some chances and experience the Holy Spirit on a real basis. And some of you cross your arms, some of you men cross your arms and you're like, listen to me, we all need this. It's not just for some people, it's for everyone. 
Now I'm going to go backwards. God said, tell some stories. Tell some stories of other, of other people. I heard it again this morning. I just felt it in my spirit. I felt it in my spirit. And I went to one that I want to share with you. We put up his face for you. I got a lot, a lot of stuff here. Oh, a lot of stuff. Here we go. Dwight L. Moody. How many of you have heard the name before? Dwight Moody. All right. Dwight Lyman Moody. If I asked many people in the world, if we just quizzed people, we said, hey, do you ever hear of a guy named Dwight Moody? I don't think a lot of Christians would know who he is. A lot of you seem to know. But people outside, right, in, in, in the world, they would be like, I don't know who that guy is. He was one of the, he was one of the greatest preachers in, uh, in our country in the 19th century. Right? There's this little picture up there. And here's what's really interesting about Dwight Moody. He did not believe that the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit was for him for much of his ministry. He had a church in Chicago. Right? Now, what's wild, too, is during his whole ministry, how many people this guy preached the gospel to? They say, this is, I saw this in Christianity today, over 100 million people during his whole ministry that he preached to. Preached to. Not got saved, but he preached to that many people. Well... As the story goes, what's so wild is, as he was in Chicago, and he's the pastor of this church, he's at this Methodist church, and there's, there's two women that are in the congregation, and they come up to him. One, uh, let's, get the, let's get their names right, Annie Cook and Mrs. Snow. Great names, right? I mean, Auntie. All right, Auntie. And so Auntie Cook and Mrs. Snow. And they come up to him, and they say, listen, we're praying for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Moody's like, oh, Okay. Um, I got all the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian. I got all that. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're missing something. You're missing a power that can reside in your life. You need this, Pastor Moody. You need this. Didn't really think much of it. Early, early 1800s, he's quite successful, really successful. And then he says, you know what? Something's missing. One day, he realized that something was missing in his life. How amazing that there were two women that you all have never heard of before, and I didn't know who they were, but God knows who they are, and they were on their knees praying that he would experience a fullness of the Spirit. And then one day, he's praying for this, and what would you know? It happens. He's getting ready to travel to a church in London. He's in New York City. He's getting ready to take a boat there. And let me tell you how his friend says it, R.A. Torrey, because he says it so well. He said he was walking up Wall Street in New York, and in the midst of the bustle and hurry of that city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street, and he had to hurry off to the house of a friend and ask that he might have a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours. And the Holy Ghost came upon him, that's the old King James, came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand, lest he die on the spot from very joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Ghost upon him. And when he got to London, the power of God worked through him mightily in North London and hundreds were added to the churches. And you read any biography, I'm well read. You want to come at me, I'm well read. You better have your facts. You better come loaded because I'm, I'm loaded. You come at me on this stuff. And listen, this guy would walk around. He was in London and he was walking in one factory. People just at his presence got on their face and lay prostrate because they were so convicted of their sin. Real history. A man that it didn't happen before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it happened after. You know, that's one of the biggest reasons why I believe in this. Because I look at history 
I look at his story and I see how things happen. How about, I said to you last week, you probably don't remember. How about Azusa Street, 1906 to 1909? Azusa Street is where it was birthed, really, the Pentecostal movement. Did you know the Pentecostal movement is the largest growing Protestant movement in the world today? It's the largest growth. Now, you hear that word. You hear charismatic, which is from the Greek word charisma, the gifts, the, the charismata. You hear that word and you hear Pentecostal and right away you think crazy. Am I correct? Do a lot of you think that? You think of the guy, and I have to throw this out there because that's who I am, and I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say it like it is. You think of the guy that's on TV with the $10,000 Rolex, and he's asking people, he's flamboyant, and he's out there, and he's, uh, and he's asking people for money. You think of that guy. That is not who the Holy Spirit is. And that guy and other tele-evangelists, I'm appalled at their behavior. I'm embarrassed by their behavior. I'm not saying they don't love God because I'm sure they really do love God. But that's not who my God is, and that's not for me, and that's not real, and I'm not just about emotionalism, and I'm not about manipulating people, that's manipulation, but just because this is over here, you don't throw the charismatic baby out with the bad bathwater, you don't throw it out, because there is a real deal, but this is just one story, how about the second one? This is, this guy's name is William, C you have time for this or no? You, some of you look like you want to get home to the Super Bowl, you alright, you all okay? You need, a, you need a rest or something? You want a cocktail while you sit? You want a, you want a soda? You want a water? Are right, you good? Okay. This guy, William Seymour, 1906-1909, the Azusa Street Revival. Here is a guy that came from the Midwest. This is a black man in Jim Crow America in the early 1900s. And if you don't know what that term means, it means segregation. People were segregated. This is right after a major... Throw the U.S. history in there. Go get them, teacher. Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896. This is right after that case. This is segregated America, right? Here is this guy in California. True story. Go look this stuff up. It's everywhere. This was in major papers. Everywhere. People from around the world came to a place called Azusa Street. This guy, who is a black man in the early 1900s, he comes and God says, I want you to teach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit at this little church. He hasn't been filled. He hasn't experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What? True. God says, you're to teach on it. This guy's like, really? I got to teach on I'm supposed to teach on this? I haven't even been baptized. He teaches on it. People's lives are changed. He starts a little home group in a little house and people start coming and he doesn't even know what he's doing. And people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Soon, too many people are coming to the little house. So then they say, we need a bigger place. Don't you love church history? Don't you love church history? Man, it's good. This building right here is an old picture. This is Azusa Street. Let me give you the exact street address so y'all know I am not lying to you. I wouldn't lie to you about something like that. It's too important. It is 312 Azusa Street. This was an old barn. Two-story barn. They would take little like wooden crates. They would lay some stuff out. And people would come in. Guess what? Buses were coming in. People were coming from all over the continent. People were speaking in different languages. And other people were interpreting. People were getting healed. Black and white were together. Oh, Lord, may that happen again today as you pour out your spirits. 
No racism. No discrimination. One body. One spirit. One Lord. And God moved. And look, this is what the pastor said. William Seymour, the man I showed you. The meeting has been a meeting time, melting time. The people are all melted together. Oh, Lord, made one lump, one bread, all one body in Christ Jesus. There is no Jew or Gentile, bond or free in the Azusa mission. No instrument that God can use is rejected on account of color or dress or lack of education. This is why God has built up the work. The sweetest thing is the loving harmony. Between 1906 and 1909, there wasn't a day that went by that there were not people that were there and they were worshiping God together. I'd mentioned the story in the past, but a lot of you wouldn't remember it or you, you may not have heard this. How crazy is this? The fire department was called to this building multiple times. The fire department was called by people that were not Christians that saw things happening. They saw fire emanating from the building that was there. Hello, Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? How come this was in major news? Don't Google this. Major newspapers. There were stories about this. But this isn't for today. God, why would you pour out your spirit time and time again through history? Little trickles here and there. And you may say, why don't we see more of this in the church here today? It's happening in other parts of the world. It's happening in other parts of the world. I'm not crazy. Again, I, we, we could go into a lot of detail. Bodies are being healed. People have been raised from the dead. Come on, really? And we sit here in America in our comfortable chairs and we're, whoa, we're good. We got it real easy and the music's good and the preachers, whatever, he's preaching his sermon and life is good. And then we get out and we kind of do our own thing. How come if we evaluate our lives with the lives of people that aren't even Christians, it doesn't look like there's much difference. We believe certain things. Where is the power? Where is the difference? That's what we're coming. What is Wednesday night? You asking, what is Wednesday night? What are you going to do, preacher man, if I come here Wednesday night? What are you going to do? We're going to pray that you would experience the fullness of the Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit. Hey, hey, you know what? It's been said so many times. We leak. We leak. We have to be refilled. There are constant refillings. Many baptisms. Many fillings. Many fillings. Over and over again. Now, what about that word? Can we just hit the elephant in the room? Can we crush it right now? Can we talk about it? As I, I promise, I'm going to close. Tongues. Tongues. Some of you are like, oh. Some of you are like, do you do that? I didn't know I was even in this church and somebody... You pray in tongues, you speak in tongues. What are you talking about? Some of you are like, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. How did I wind up in church here this morning? I went to the wrong church. I would say this to you. We will never, ever manipulate you. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. When he, talked to the first, when he talked to the Corinthians, he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. We're supposed to desire that. How come, listen, how come so many cessationists, how come 
not even to, I forget you cessationists. How come people that you would say are continuationists and they don't go full boat, that they, they say that the gifts can operate, but we don't really pursue them. People that are big in the church today, how come they believe some gifts? Like John Piper says, yeah, yeah, I eagerly, I want to prophesy. Like Paul says, you should want to prophesy. You should want, and Piper says, I, I love to, I want to prophesy. But how come you don't chase after it? If you believe that's what the inerrant word of God says, how come you don't go chase after that? I'm like the, I'm an apologetic teacher. This is apologetics today, I guess, in a sense, right? Not real, but I'm defending part of the faith, two Christians, right? But you think about it, how come they're not going after that? And you hear that, you will never get manipulated. And listen, when you come in, maybe you've had a bad, I, I've had, a, as a pastor's kid, I was brought places as a child, and it wasn't their fault, it wasn't my parents' fault, but I went in a couple of places sometimes, and I saw stuff that I was like, man, I can't get out of here fast enough. If I had my own car, I was getting out of here because it was not of who God is and it was not real. Now, you may ask, let's just get to it. Like, do you speak in tongues? At times, I do. I don't do... Have you ever heard me in a sermon? Because I don't have time to go over all the verses, but I'm just going to kind of tell you. Yeah, I do at times. But that is my own private prayer language. And what I'm doing is, if I don't know what to pray, so the, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And at times I open up my mouth, and the problem is we're so rational with our Western minds, we can't move our mind out of the way. Well, listen, with this whole faith thing, there are times that you got to tell your mind, get out of the way, take a back seat, because you don't understand everything. <laughs> Have you ever heard me do it publicly? No. Have you ever heard Pastor Linda get up in the middle of her sermon and do it publicly? No, because you know why? It's not scriptural unless somebody in the body can interpret what she said. And it's not a word-for-word interpretation. It's just a general interpretation of what is said. Is that real? Does it? Francis Chan. How many of you like Francis Chan? Francis Chan was speaking last year at a conference with people that are continuationists. And somebody, he's up here speaking, and some woman starts speaking in tongues. And he goes, does anybody have an interpretation for that? And he says, look, I'm new to all this. I don't really know this, but I'm open to all this. Francis Chan, I'm open, I'm learning, I'm trying. How about Chuck Swindoll? Did you ever hear that name before? You know, you know Chuck Swindoll? Can I give you one more? You, read, you want a quote from him? All right. I really feel like this is a class today. I know some of you are like so bored, but... This is, this is fun. By the time I, I read this and it arrested me, by the time I graduated from seminary, I had many convictions and few questions, especially regarding the Holy Spirit. This guy has been voted Time, Time Magazine, one of the greatest preachers in America, like top five, always like top five. He is an amazing, he's an amazing speaker. But during a lifetime of ministry that has taken me around the U.S. and to many countries abroad, I have found that the work of the Holy Spirit continually keeps me off balance. I'm not alone in that. Those in church leadership seem afraid that the Spirit is going to do something we can't explain. Yeah, please do. I found that disturbs many folks, but I'll admit it energizes me. Love that. I've come to realize there are dimensions of the Spirit's ministry I've never tapped in places in this study about which I know very little. I'm on a strong learning curve. I have witnessed a dynamic power in his presence that I long to know more of firsthand. I now have questions and a strong interest in many of the things of the Spirit I once felt were settled. To say it plainly, I am hungry for more of him. I long to know God more deeply and more intimately. Am I proving my case? I'm like, a, I'm like a trial attorney today. I'm trying to give you the real deal. Both sides. Tell you what other people think. We're not a church. I'm not afraid. Listen, I'm not afraid of some of the issues that are out there. You think we're afraid? to? T- I'm not afraid to talk about this stuff. Because I know what the Bible says. Back to the tongues issue. Get back, preacher. 
on that issue is, and some people go, wait, if I don't speak in tongues and I come on Wednesday night and I walk out and I'm not speaking in tongues, does that mean I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit? No, no, no. Some, it's, this is an error. Some charismatic churches, I don't know where they're getting this from in the Bible, they teach that in order to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have to have the evidence of tongue, tongues. Wrong! That is not true. Nowhere in the Word does it say that. How come in the book of Acts, five times we see the filling of the Spirit? Three of those times, the evidence that we see in the book of Acts. Prophecy! They don't start speaking in tongues. Don't give me that because I'm so sick of some of the charismatics out there and they look down on people that don't speak in tongues and they say, you haven't been filled with the Spirit. Yes, you can be filled with the Spirit and you may be sitting in here and you can ask like D.L. Moody did when you go to your prayer closet tonight. You can ask in your bedroom. You can ask in your basement. You can ask in your car. It's for you now. You don't have to wait till Wednesday night. You don't have to wait. You can be filled right now. You will never be judged. I don't want, if I ever, listen to me, if I ever see somebody, I'll go right at them spiritually. I'll go at them. I want to say crazy things, but I can't because I'm in church right now. But you know what? No, I'm serious. We don't, we look at that whole issue and it's so divisive. It may not be for you, but I'm telling you what, the Bible is clear. It's Paul says it. Paul says it, I speak in tongues more than all of you. It doesn't mean you're the super Christian if you do and you walk around and you're speaking in tongues. Paul says, he went to the, like in the Corinthian church, some people are publicly and they're speaking in tongues and people are doing all this weird stuff and all this, and he's going, why would you do that with people that aren't Christians? They're unbelievers. You don't do that with people that aren't Christians. They're going to think you're crazy. And you are when you do that. It's your private prayer language. You don't hear me say it all the time. Maybe we're praying, but I do. And I use it because it gives me power. Because that's what I'm all, I want more power in my life. Anybody else you want? Worship team, come on up. Steve, come on up. Who wants more power in their life? Who wants to come Wednesday night and believe that God can come in and move? You don't, listen, don't be afraid. I'm going to come. I don't know if I can come. What happens if it doesn't work? Open your mouth. Come on, just speak to it. We're never going to push you. We're not going to manipulate you. People aren't going to be flying all over the floor. Whatever those images that you have that you've seen on TV, that is not who we are at City on a Hill Community Church. Everything will be done reverently. But listen, the Holy Spirit, we hope he moves. I hope he moves. And does things like Swindoll says that we don't expect. And you may still, you may be somebody in here, I don't really know. I would just say, listen, why don't you ask God about it like Moody did? If that's you and you're going, man, this, I don't know. I've never really thought much about this. I never really explored what the Bible had to say. And th- this is only one sermon. Do you understand? I could spend two or three more messages just on the gifts and why they're for today. But I want us to just walk out of here. And I, I, I hope that you'll at least... Come on, are we crazy? You know your pastors. Are we crazy? I'm crazy, but am I like crazy, crazy? Come on, are we crazy? Us, are we crazy? We follow God. I don't, here's the bottom line. I promise I'm done. I promise. When when I die, you want me to? All right. When I die, I will not sit on this side of the, and it, it takes a lot from me. 
I fought this as Pastor Linda just said, because I want to use my brain. And I like to sit with the intellects. And I like to get all deep. And I like to read. And many of my favorite authors, they don't really go all the way with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But when I die and I go into heaven, I know I'm on a firm foundation, what the Bible says, and I'm going after the power of the Spirit with everything that I have for my finances, for my health, for my family. Going after it. I got scarred. I got scarred by a guy following this, following this ministry, and it took me out, and it's taken me years. I've wrestled, I've agonized, I've cried. God, I don't know what I really believe. Who the heck am I? You know why we're a non-denominational church? Because you can't put us in a box. You cannot put us in a box. You can't put, don't put me in a box. I like to hang out with the intellect, but I also like to hang out with the people that have experienced the power of God in their lives. This is where I'm going to live. I'm going to live on this. I'm going to live here and say, God, this is what your word says. I'm going to go all out and trust that you again are going to move on your people and we're going to see recovery. Sick of the revival where we were in a meeting the other day. There's always a recovery happening in, the, in, in church history. A recovery. Take back what was lost. Take back what was lost. Take back what was lost. And this is God's word for us, I think, for us now here in 2018, that he does want to recover and he wants us to be a part of that movement. Will we have a church that actually gets on their hands and knees and prays that we can be a part of it? You can be a part of it. We're believing it's going to happen. What's going to happen for all eternity when it, re- it really does? And you're going to say, I was a part of that. I prayed for that. I, took, I experienced that. Man, Paul, James, John, Peter, I'm telling you, man, they're looking down on earth and maybe the limited vision and you're going theologically, do they see everything? They they probably don't see everything. I don't don't think they do. But if they see anything, they're looking at us going, I'd give anything to live when those people are living because the spirit is going to be poured out in a greater way than it was even poured out in the book of Acts. Because there are more people on this planet and it's going to go viral like a tidal wave. Lord... We want more of you. Lord, we want more passion. We want more power. I want more of your presence to rise up within us. Father, I want to be arrested. I want your people to be arrested by who you are. Jesus Christ, may you be lifted up in this day. Father, I ask that as your spirit is poured out, that the people that we rub elbows with, that the supernatural power that resides in us would rub off on them. As we go into work, it would rub off on them. And the person that goes to work tomorrow and somebody's going to come up to you and tell you that their spouse has terminal cancer. I ask, I believe that we, that person, would be, would give them your comfort, that Jesus, you would speak through them to that situation. Father, that's who you, Jesus, that's who you are, that's who you want to be, that you're going to live through us tomorrow, every single place that we go, through the power of your Spirit. Have your way in our lives. Church, this is not going to come easy. There's a lot of work to do. You watch a guy on TV today, Tom Brady. He, he, didn't, just, he didn't just wake up one day and he was great. you got to work at it. We have to work for this. It's not just going to happen by osmosis. 
what's going to happen when we work and put in the effort and the time and, and we get on our hands and knees and we trust and we believe. You're to be praying for this before you come into church on Wednesday. You're to be praying for this. You're not going to see anything crazy. If you have any more questions or anything, you may send them to the office. If you have my number, by all means, feel free to contact me. If you have questions on this, I'd be glad to try to help you answer any of those questions. But I know the big issue, people are okay with, with prophecy. People are okay. You got a word of knowledge for somebody, miracles. Hey, that's awesome. You get to that whole tongues issue. Whoa. It is not, it is not, again, it is not always the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you ever heard that, that is bad theology. Because it is not true. But you come. And you see. And I'm going to talk a little bit more even about tongues on Wednesday night. You're done. Worship team. Wow. Wow. I'm talking as a pastor, honestly, not as a mother. That's the best message I've ever heard on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It really is. What a fine line. What a fine line, James. You walked and you did a great job doing it. Um, You know... I, the kids that Joe and I raised, you know them in, in here. I told you, they weren't easy kids to raise. They all had their own, you know, they really, we, we did try to raise them so that they had a mind of their own. And in fact, parents, I just want to say to you, we didn't do a lot of preaching to our kids. Uh, you know, we tried to live it. We exposed them to the truth. But we said, you need to go find it out yourself. And uh, we, at some point in their lives, they were kind of like a little bit, you know, kids, you, you know, you're growing up, you some of this stuff, you know, could sound a little strange. Any age. And I want to tell you, your pastor fought for this message this morning. He didn't just take this second-handed from his parents. Uh, do you know how many fights I had with him to get him? <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I, if... Honestly... I forced you to make the, to do this series, honestly. But you know what? I've never heard a better series on the Holy Spirit, James. I really haven't. Honestly, that's the truth. Now, all of you, all of you Catholics, all of you Catholics, because that's where we come from. That's, our, that's where Joe and I come from. So our roots. And that's where we were when God found us in the Catholic Church. And I want you to know that tongues in Latin is glossolalia and that the catholic church uh is part of their doctrine uh, this charismatic catholics that speak in tongues uh, this is just this is just common the catholic church is part of their doctrine this isn't like some kind of crazy you know little sect of you know little cult this is part of the church as we saw from from the book of acts um I, I just want you to know the problem for me when I came to know the Lord and started to read the Bible and I was a Catholic and things seemed weird to me. It was just because I didn't know the Catholic faith. <laughs> My problem was a lot of things I, I just didn't know. And when we started to get into the Bible, things started to God started to reveal truth to us. OK, last thing I want to tell you anyway out before you come Wednesday. Uh, A.W. Tozer, you hear Pastor James mention him. He's one of our favorites. A.W. Tozer said a prayer. I always, we pass it out, Joanne, periodically. Every few years, I, I, have, I have the office make a copy of it. And one of the things that A.W. Tozer prayed that has been indelibly imprinted in my life was, Lord, I am hungry and thirsty to be made hungry and thirsty. 
Don't think you can... God is the initiator in this whole experience, this whole walk of the Christian life. You may be standing here and saying, I wish I wanted even this more. I, I wish I even cared. I, I, wish, I wish I was hungry and thirsty for the kind of power I see him want. Just start there. Say, Lord, then I'm hungry. Make me hungry like that because I'm not. Always... Tell God exactly where you really are. He just, the only thing required is tell him the truth. Tell him the truth. Even if you're like this, you're not sure, come out Wednesday. You'll see, you know, you'll see. Nobody's, as he said, nobody's going to make you do anything. We're just going to start in worship. Listen, you always start in worship. You start in worship and you ask the Holy Spirit to move. And the next is his job. Am I right, Pastor James? We're just going to, we're going to worship and we're going to love him. And we're going to see what he wants to do. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Well, come on out on Wednesday. We're going to look for you. We're going to look for you. Come on out. It's at 7 o'clock right here in this place. You have a blessed day and go Eagles. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.